Welcome to the Strong for Performance podcast, where we give coaches and consultants practical ideas for taking you to the next level in your business and in your life. I'm your host, Meredith Bell. I interview experts who've walked in your shoes and offer real-world experience that you can apply to your own journey. Welcome to another episode of the Strong for Performance podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and today I'm so delighted to welcome as my guest, Cynthia Byler. Cynthia, welcome to my show. Welcome, and thank you so much for letting me be on. I've been excited about this for quite a few weeks. Oh, that is great. So have I, Cynthia. Uh, I'll give you Cynthia's formal uh, introduction and then tell you a little bit about how she and I met each other. Cynthia is the CEO of Leveraged Mind Consulting, and she works with clients to develop and implement an overall sales strategy to accelerate profitable growth. Cynthia has rebuilt multiple B2B sales organizations, and she has a knack for identifying and leveraging the potential in any sales organization. The foundation of her work, and this is part of what I just love about her, is based on her belief in integrating several elements, including an improved mindset, leadership, structure, and process. And as a result of bringing those elements together, she is able to create an engaged sales culture that leads to greater profits. And I learned about Cynthia by listening to a podcast of another person that she and I both love and admire, and that's Barb Patterson in Real Business, Real Lives. And Cynthia's message, her voice, everything about her just resonated with me. And so I reached out to connect with her. We've had multiple great conversations, and I just knew I wanted her to be a guest on my podcast. Cynthia, you have so much wisdom that you've acquired (laughs) over the years, not just about sales, but to me, what sales represents, which is relationship building. And I love all the elements that you've incorporated in there. And I want to dive deep into some of those. But before we do, I'd like you to tell my audience a little bit about your journey to the work that you're doing today as a consultant, and even a fractional chief resource officer to organizations. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much. This is going to be a fun conversation as all of our conversations are. (laughs) Um, So yeah, my journey, um, I've been in the working world for, I guess it's 30 some years right now, which is seems really long, but um, all of my work has been in the area of sales and marketing. So I started for 12 years on the marketing side of the table, vowing to never go to the sales side of the table. (laughs) Um, And then I realized um, after 10 different companies tried to put me into sales and certain people, a good friend of mine, I finally said yes to him when he asked me to come sell for him. And that was at Adams Outdoor Advertising. And that was 12 years ago. um, That really started my sales leadership um, journey. And I'll probably talk about that along the way. But um, Selling to me was just never something I wanted to do. And what I look back and realize now is that um, if I would have had someone in that helped me with my confidence and to understand that selling 
is not just um, something that I'm experiencing. I did a lot of buying in the media world and the sellers were never ones that I engaged with or enjoyed. I finally found someone that showed me the way with sales that it doesn't have to be that way, that I can be me and be passionate about whatever I am represented in the moment. And that's what selling is. So that really kicked off a journey for me to continue to help others grow in their sales career. I sold for a microsecond and went right into sales management because much to the chagrin of my family, because you can always usually make a lot more just selling <laughs> in this world as opposed to managing. My passion comes from helping others see the potential in themselves and really enjoy this crazy career I've chosen in the sales channel. So everything I've done is led up to being a consultant in this area. I really don't work out of my lane. Um, I work strictly in the area of driving revenue, whatever that means for an uh, individual or a company. That's great. And I know that you, you have so much fun at what you do. <laughs> I do. And your clients really enjoy you know, working with you. And the thing that's interesting with my listeners is many of them are service professionals. They provide mm -hmm. consulting, coaching, training, speaking services to clients and sales is not their strength. <laughs> if you were to ask them, right? In fact, some of them, you know, really do not enjoy that aspect of their business. They enjoy delivering the services Right. But the marketing and selling of themselves and what they offer is not their favorite thing. So one of the things I hope we are going to be able to do today is help them really understand why this can be another aspect of their business mm -hmm. that they eagerly embrace. <laughs> right. And so let's start with that whole mindset or state of mind mm -hmm. around what sales means and and how can they learn to, I won't say love it, but embrace it more right. enthusiastically than they might right now? Sure. I love that topic. <laughs> so um, it is interesting. I've worked in the last three years of my being myself a consultant. I have been helping other consultants now in the last 18 months more than I ever had before. I usually work in larger corporate settings. Um, the whole concept of loving sales is probably something you don't even want to have as an expectation because it's really hard to love sales because sales is a connotation that most people do not enjoy, whether they're giving or receiving <laughs> the sales process, right? So I think especially with consultants and coaches, what you do is so passionate to yourself. You love doing it. Your clients love you or they wouldn't be your clients. So in thinking about sales, business development, really what you're doing is giving an opportunity for another person or company to improve by working with you. And you mean that in a very genuine, um, non-egocentric way, but there's so many people out there that don't know what I do, what you do, and if our mindset is around, well, I just want to share that story and go into the conversation with the fact that this might not be a sales process. I'm just trying to understand what you need. I might not be the right fit, but I probably have people in my network that could maybe help you. When you walk into a conversation with that kind of openness, it's more enjoyable for everybody involved. So that's how we start when I'm working with people who are selling their own um, professional services, 
that's where the conversation has to begin is looking at how you start the conversation and why the conversation is there. That's really good. And I know I've heard you use the word curiosity before. Mm -hmm. Talk mm -hmm. about that as it relates to going into a conversation and, and being able to focus on that other person and not being self-conscious about how you're coming across. Right. Yeah, that was a real eye-opening experience. About 10 years ago, I started a journey trying to understand how our mind works um, in, cer in certain situations. And with sales, we are typically taught selling systems. Like there's many good systems out there, um, professional services. Um, you learn how to ask questions. What's the order of questions you should ask? When someone says A, that should trigger you to go to path B. If they say C, that should trigger you to go to path D. That is all listening to respond versus listening to understand. So I am not um, speaking poorly of a systematic approach for sales because it's very helpful. But what I'm saying is there's a step before that and you have to understand how to enter a conversation literally with nothing on your mind. If you walk into that conversation with a full agenda and focusing on what your trigger words are, there's no way you can listen and truly hear and understand what the other person's saying. So curiosity to me starts by opening your mind and not having an agenda because if we're really truly listening to each other, organically curiosity arises and you start asking questions based on what the person said and trying to gain a better understanding versus what's my next response. So that's really starting it, nothing on your mind. It's a really scary concept for most salespeople. <laughs> You know, I can see why that's the case, because you can start feeling um, uncomfortable about, well, what am I going to say? It's, and especially people like me that like to be prepared, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. Having the structure in place uh, gives you a sense of security at times. But what you're recommending to me is really refreshing for someone who is keenly interested in other people, mm -hmm. which I think most of my listeners are, when we can turn the table and really make it about them, it actually takes pressure off of us. Oh my gosh, yes. It is so much more enjoyable because you're really digging in with a conversation that means something and matters. And think about it logically you will probably approach your consulting opportunities, your coaching opportunities already with an open mind. So I'm not really teaching anyone something they don't do already because the better coaches and consultants walk in without a set agenda, without the solution, right? Because the minute you think you know the solution, you stop listening. So I'm saying take that understanding to the sales process and have faith that if someone asks you about your business, I'm confident you're going to know how to respond without it being on the front part of your mind. Um, you put it in, you've got those little file folders right in the back of your, of your head. And when what question comes up, you, you're going to know the answer. You're selling what you live every day. So you're really at an advantage, quite frankly, in business development in the consulting and coaching world 
because you're not selling something that's foreign to you. You're selling your baby. You know, well, not selling your baby, but you understand on a deeper level what you can provide a customer. So just tuck it back for a moment and listen to them and pull out the file that's applicable versus all the files at once. That just hearing you describe that has a calming effect. Oh, good. <laughs> and so I'm thinking for my listeners too, how can they, you know, take that information and really apply it? Whether mm -hmm. they're having, and of course these days we're not having a lot of in-person conversations, right? but by telephone or Zoom, how can they really make that strong connection? And this mm -hmm. is another area I'd love to have you go into related to our mindset. You know, what kind of state of mind, besides being curious, lends itself to someone being able to go into one of these conversations feeling more relaxed, confident, mm -hmm. and not uptight? Well, so our mind and how busy our mind is, is going to manifest our behaviors in a sales call. So I spend a lot of time with my clients and then my past sales teams working on how to clear their mind before going into any sales um, call. If they're nervous, if they're worried about, um, you know, am I going to be able to do this, answer the questions right? Or more importantly, I got to get this contract or my sales manager is going to be on me, or I've got to get this contract or I'm not going to be able to pay the mortgage. I mean, those are real circumstances, mm -hmm. but that's all they are is circumstances. You do not have to allow those circumstances to rev up your emotions because the minute you get very um, elevated, whether it's a positive elevation or a negative elevation, your mind starts to close and that closing is going to get in the way of actually hearing what's coming at you in the conversation. So I do a lot of work with people and how do we calm down before we go into this conversation? And so it doesn't, I'm not, I'm, this is like your step after you've removed agenda from it. You also have to kind of remove emotion. So clarity in the moment comes from a calm mind. And people who meditate, who believe in, in the practice of being engaged and in person and mindfulness, all that goes away when they're trying to sell something. Because for whatever reason, <laughs> they think that they have to be revved up to make that sale. But in that discovery mode, especially having that calm mind brings over a very peacefulness to the situation because there's probably some revving up going on the, the other side of the table on the other side of the zoom call as well. You're not alone in your amped upness typically in those situations. So if I come in calm, there's a great chance that the person I'm, I'm talking to will calm as well. That's a really important point because I think we can get really preoccupied with our own emotions and state of mind and not think this other person may have their defenses up or mm -hmm. they could have had something important that went on in their personal lives that we have no way of knowing about before right. they ever got on this call. So when you're working with someone, what are some strategies thinking of something tangible that the listeners could take and use next time they're getting ready to go into a sales conversation? What would you recommend if you were sitting with someone 
who was in a sales role. They were getting ready to make what they perceived to be a very important sales or have a very important sales conversation. Like, you know, my rent does depend on this. My house payment does depend on this. How do you help them not to feel that anxiety and to calm down? What, what are some strategies? So if I don't know them well enough to know what's going on on the other, uh, in their minds, I'll just say, how are you feeling? And I can tell, you know, you can tell when someone's like, I'm good, I'm ready, I'm ready. And you're like, okay, you seem a little tight. Let's, let's mellow out a little bit. And I'll start distracting them with a line of questions that have nothing to do with the call that's in front of them, which is very also different than a lot of sales leaders because a, a, most sales leaders would just be like, all right, do you know this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? I mean, it, yeah. it's what we're kind of trained to do. I distract them from the, the thinking that's revving them up. And then if what they're thinking about is from their personal life, I, I, I take them off to a different swing. Or, you know, you can also address things first, you know, heads on. If I know someone's really desperate for a sale, I let them off the hook. I'm like, this is just a conversation. This does not identify the rest of your career. I mean, this is applicable in my corporate life. I did this all the time. You're going to be the same person you were if for whatever reason the conversation doesn't go wrong. So quit thinking about the outcome. Come into the moment. Calm down. Nothing's going to change. You know, so it's a lot of that kind of um, calming uh, for people. Mm-hmm. And you can find people in your life to do that. You don't need a sales coach. You, I've got friends that help me out. You know, if I'm revved up, I've got my calls I can make and go, all right, distract me. That's what I'm doing is just thinking about something different because um, it is true that we have the ability to control our, our thinking. And so all of that is in my hands then whether I'm going to be a productive person in a conversation or an unproductive person. Really important point. And Cynthia, I remember um, hearing you talk about when you were with Adams Outdoor Advertising mm-hmm. and you sort of moved up the corporate ladder and you became a, I believe it was a regional sales manager. You moved to Charlotte and Correct. you faced a really challenging situation there. Uh, yeah. This was an, obviously a number of years ago now. I think it would be instructive for my listeners to hear you describe what was so challenging about that situation and what are some things that you did to make it a, actually a, a big success for the company? Because I think it's relevant for the times we're going through right now, mm-hmm. where there are a lot of external things happening in our world <laughs> that feel like they're out of our control and we're kind of, you know, being blown about by the waves, if you will, or the wind, mm-hmm. when in fact there are things that we can do. So I think your experience is really relevant and would be helpful for folks sure. to um, learn about. Well, I, I lived my belief system of that it's an inside out view. So things happen in front of me, but they're just things happening. It is up to my mind, my thinking about how I experience them, which will then drive my behavior. So I went from a smaller market that I was in charge of, media market, to a a market 10 times the size. I went from a total staff staff for the company or the market of 15 people to a selling staff alone of 20 plus people. 
Um, plus I had a boss who I'd known but not worked for before. The market was like in, it was not doing well. She was brought in and I was brought in from two different places in the company to try and, and right the ship. So there it was like drinking water out of a fire hose. If you've never done that, don't ever try. <laughs> um, and so I truly lost in, in the moments I lost what was going on in my training and, and remembering that it's just circumstances. So for a while, I felt like I was being pulled in 8 million places. I couldn't rest. I couldn't be of service to anyone. And then at some point, I remembered the training. I believe it was probably brought to my attention by our CEO, who was really good at pulling me back, uh, pulling me out of my chaotic thinking into what I know to be true, is that I just had to, I had to calm down first. And I had to mellow my mind first or I wasn't going to be of service to these 20 plus people around me who depended on me. So I had to start there and I had to give myself an understanding that it, this is not going to be perfect. I know how to run this business. I've been doing it for many years, but it's a different situation. That's all it is. Just a different situation. So I regained my ability to get curious about things, to not worry about too far in front of me. Let's just take care of things in the moment. And I started bringing a calm, I think, to the team. I mean, that's the feedback I got. And when I got the team to calm down, all of a sudden we could do things better and faster than when we were all revved up trying to, to make all these changes happen. So it wasn't perfect. It was, and we had our ups and downs, but there's a big lesson in resilience that a person in sales needs to gain. And is that resili resilience is this process of coming and going from your moments of clarity. Because when something bad happens or you're stressed and you just don't see the potential in anything, if you can back up and calm your mind, all of a sudden the bad clouds go away and these new thoughts come in and that's where the potential can be seen. And that's where all of a sudden you feel refreshed. That's what resilience is. Resilience is, is being able to step out of the chaos for a moment and calm your own thoughts in order to see that potential and move forward. And it comes and goes. You'll never be in a perfect level of clarity. I've been working on it for 10 years. It doesn't, it doesn't always stay. But, res, but I believe that this training I have and understanding I got to calm myself first is very helpful in a sales organization or anyone trying to sell their own services because we have good and bad days all the time and don't let the bad days um, stop you in the process. So especially in business development, because it's hard to continue to go out and get rejected, but you have to. So I think that training that I learned on the streets, drinking out of the fire hose, just really proved what I've been preaching is that even in the most chaotic, awful times, you have a moment to calm yourself find some clarity and look for the potential in the, in the, in the circumstances around you and go after that. That's so important. There's so many things that you talked about there that I think are important for people to reflect on because sometimes we think if I'm revved up, then I've got the energy behind me. It's sort of like being, mm -hmm. you know, having all this coffee or caffeine or whatever <laughs> form of, you know, being revved up. But in fact, it can cloud your your judgment your perceptions how you see and respond to the situation and to the people involved 
Mm-hmm. And one of the things I love that you brought up is just the idea that any thoughts you have are just natural things that are going to happen. And I know that what can get me in trouble, and I've seen this with other people, is when we take our thoughts seriously and we believe them, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we start thinking things that we think must be true because we've thought them. Mm-hmm. How do you help people look at the thoughts they're having and not take them too serious. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a really um, fun conversation to dig into. Um, first of all, the first step is to get people to consider the fact that they do have control over all that. Um, because sometimes it's really hard to see that those thoughts we're having are not concrete, let alone not necessarily real. Um, So getting people to just consider for the moment, what if that thinking isn't true? What if blah, blah, blah? What if blah, blah, blah? Give them other considerations. I've found that that seems to dissipate that concrete wall that is making them so rooted into their thinking in the Mm -hmm. moment that is making it feel so real. Um, so getting people to just let that go a bit, I try to, um, bring humor to the table. Um, I think I'm pretty funny. My 20 year old son doesn't think I'm funny. And my husband says it's a 50, 50, but I think I'm pretty funny. So I try to lighten things up because that heaviness can go away if there's some joy that's brought to the table. Um, so distracting them from those own thoughts is what helps kind of just have a small glimmer of potential to be able to get out of that thinking and go into a more productive mindset. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I think it's easy to, to start feeling like something is not necessarily life or death, but just so important and mm-hmm. can't take it lightly. So sometimes lightness is someone might feel insulted at the idea that you're suggesting they lighten up or loosen up because this is serious business here. How do you respond when they don't um, uh, respond to you wanting to lighten things up? How do you help them get a different perspective? Um, I'll suggest some potential podcast videos. Um, You and I have some similar, similar people that we love and adore out in the state of mind space, but um, there's some teachers that I try to share with people if they're not willing to have that with me um, and not be able to calm down. Um, Also is sometimes I like on, when I'm running teams, I'll go to their coworkers or their peers and say, Hey, go take, I used to do this all the time, go take so-and-so out, go for a ride. Um, She's just flipping out. She's not allowing me in, go, you know, so I try to know their peers when I'm running a team as well. Um, So it's still all distraction. Um, It's rare that I can't get people at least to kind of calm down. And it's not just me, others, you you can do the same thing when you know a person Um, and sometimes you just have to be quieter next to their side and just hang in there while they're really believing there's no other options because there will be a moment that their mind breaks Mm. and they'll be able to see some potential. I mean, I think it's the hardest in like with death and crisis and, um, just like some of the tough stuff going on in the world today 
it is just really hard to see the potential, but it only takes a moment. It literally only takes a moment to get someone to think a little bit differently than the thoughts that are holding them down or back. And just be kind with them. Don't tell them what to do. Just be by their side. It'll change. That's a, that's a key element because I think a lot of times if we see someone who is suffering or in pain and we perceive it to be unnecessary, <laughs> but it's something they're doing to themselves, when we care, a lot of times we might want to rescue, you know, jump in and provide a solution when that isn't really what they need from us at that moment. Mm-hmm. Thinking about the situation, coming back to Charlotte for a minute, Mm-hmm. and you coming in there, what are some of the things that you did and also you help your team members do on the sales team to turn things around there? So that, And then talk a little bit about the results you got after, sure. after doing that. <laughs> um, so one of the first things I always do in a situation where I'm coming in fresh is I come in with no assumptions, good or bad. I come in very neutral. I grew up with sales leaders um, that came in when they were new to the situation, kind of riding in with on their white horse with all the answers and that we were all broken and they, they were going to fix us. So I believe no one can fix you. You have to fix you. So it doesn't matter if I assume everything's broken because in order to get people to change, I have to understand what their thinking is because they're the ones that are going to make the change. So I've just always come in with a very open mind, calm, looking around what's working, what's not, because not everything is going to be something that needs to change or be fixed in an organ in a sales organization. There's always such great assets and they're especially the human assets. It's just maybe we haven't helped them tap into their potential in the way they should. So I did that. I spent time really trying to quickly dig in with everybody, not just make my assumptions, but ask questions, get deep with people, go out on sales calls, get in front of clients, hear from them and prospects of what's going on in the Charlotte market. So that was a lot of the, um, you know, in the, on the streets work I did and at Adams to really get a good understanding of where that potential was. Then we could, um, my team and I could then go, okay, here's what we're already doing well. If we just tweak A, B, and C, we're going to be performing really well in the next three, six months. So I knew the business well enough to understand how long it took for results to come with particular change. So I had to prioritize the changes. That's the other thing. If if you're brought in to try and make changes in an organization, you can't change everything in a week. I've learned that. So (laughs) prioritizing is very helpful. And then just transparency and honesty with the team and with leaders. I've never been one to want to um, make things to be better than they're going to be and then to turn out that that we haven't hit the mark, right? I'd rather be honest, take take the challenges that might come in that moment, and at least then we have reality on our side. And if we shoot, we go we perform beyond that, that's great. But, you know, I believe transparency and honesty up front when you're trying to come in and make an organizational change, especially in sales, is important. Um, and then we had some people in, in sales roles that shouldn't have been there. 
Um, so we had to make some changes. That's a reality in a sales organization. Um, some people were just in the wrong seat on the bus. Some people needed to get off the bus. And then some people just needed some extra help getting onto the bus properly. Um, and then showing some love, some caring, really being in it with them. People's mindsets started to change. Performance started to increase. And, and we raised, and I used to know my numbers. I'm kind of out of the numbers game. But I know we averaged 5 6 7% growth, um, top-line growth. Uh, for three years straight. And really now that market, I'm not there. I haven't been there for a few years, but the, a lot of the same leaders are there and they're doing so well and, and growing it. I mean, COVID's hurt everybody, but it's just fun to see that organization still thriving and growing. That's great. Well, speaking of COVID, I think it would be good to um, tap into your expertise to get suggestions on what do you recommend people can be doing right now oh, to, sure. to work on business development in given that in many instances companies put a hold on or outright canceled programs that some of these service professionals were going to be brought in to provide mm -hmm. and so what you know getting past the shock of that and then looking at what can I do to be productive during this time when clients may not be bringing me in mm -hmm. what are some specific things that you recommend they be doing with their time right now sure so once you've kind of got everything set up with those clients so at the moment they can go forward with the work you were planning there's they're still thinking of you and wanting to move forward get that all lined up then you just have this beautiful opportunity to really get into some structured um, and consistent business development work. So what I've um, been telling people is first, make sure, take a look at your capabilities and what you're providing and what are those things that could be most helpful during times like this. You may have to tweak it a little bit. Like I'll give an example. Meredith, you're on Zoom all the time. You engage with people all the time. If you were in a position that what you're offering were what you were offering March 1st isn't happening right now, you could do some reinvention and start doing some thought leadership, some videos, some writing about how do you engage people online? How do you work well in a Zoom? You saw some people doing that out there. That's kind of taking taking a look at here the capabilities are not going to be necessarily sought after right now. But here are some things I can help people with as a coach and consultant that I do naturally very well. So see, see if your capabilities can swing a little bit, shift if that's needed. Then really write down a defined target list. Sales is all about mindset and structure. I do mindset really well. I have learned how to be structured in my approach for sales. It's important, disciplines. So setting the right target list, you know, really identifying who makes sense for me to have conversations with. You can connect with people so easily and track them down on the, you know, through the internet now. It's great. And then how can I approach these people? What are the conversations they are having right now in, you know, in their companies, out through the social networks? So each, for each person that you want to have a conversation with, if you can't get them just to talk to you by calling or sending an email, go listen to, um, see if they're talking at all out on a webinar or Facebook Live or LinkedIn events. People are, are like giving away free all this thought leadership right now because 
no one knows exact, exactly how to monetize it yet. Take that as, as an opportunity to meet people doing what they do. Because then if you, if you send a note to them and say, saw you on XYZ webinar, really agree with how you said blah, love to add you to my network. Just don't sell anything in the moment. Just introduce yourself and build a connection. Getting those connections set up and then start writing some stuff out on LinkedIn. They're now part of your network. They're going to see some of your thinking and your thoughts. You stalk them, put little comments on what they write or post on thought leadership and just start having that, that conversation through social and they're going to know who you are and most likely be able to connect with you. So it's, it's methodical, it's very structured, but then you also have to write down who you talk to and when. And so it's that follow-up piece of it as well. And always prioritize who's my easiest conversation to land. Who is the, what's the industry that's a no-brainer when they look at my background real quick on my website? You know, media is a no-brainer in my world. If I reach out to someone who, has a, who is with a media company, most likely they'll connect with me based on my background alone. So prioritize around that. And then for those industries you want to get into, it's the same process. It's just going to take a little bit longer. And so you really need to be disciplined to connect with them in different ways where they start seeing your name and your face and go, why? I need to talk to this. I need to talk to Meredith. She seems to really understand this world. So it's that kind of process. So I just say, do what you can to become a very disciplined business development person. That sounds much more fun by doing research and sending notes and then trying getting them on the phone than just simply cold calling all day. That that's not as much fun. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think my listeners really enjoy cold calling if they know. So, (laughs) so when we look at you, you've given some really great examples and I'll just back it up by sharing a couple of things that I've done that have really paid off for me because I have certain, not industries, but positions of people who can mm-hmm. benefit from the tools that we offer. And I have a book. I can't recommend strongly enough someone having even a small book that you could offer to share mm-hmm. with people. And that's what I've been doing is reaching out to some of my first level connections that I would like to form a relationship with and saying, you know, I hope you're, you're doing well. And in the spirit of looking for a way to be of service, I'd like to offer to send you a copy of my book. Just Mm -hmm. reply yes and give me your physical mailing address and I'll put it in the mail to you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a certain percentage of them are saying yes. And so it's, it's the ability to start that dialogue. And what's interesting is a couple of them, when they get the book, have taken a picture of it and posted that on LinkedIn, giving me free publicity Mm -hmm. for the book. So it's this idea I want to emphasize and and reinforce what you're saying of being of service to others. Look for ways not to, and it, to me, it goes back again to taking that pressure off to having that calmer mindset. Mm -hmm. When the folks who are my listeners are naturally givers, they naturally want to provide, you know, service or value to others. And so it really is a much more relaxed place to be when you look at that as opposed to, 
I got to sell them something or I got to oh, have yeah. an opportunity to, to plug my whatever it is that I'm offering mm -hmm. to this person. But I just love your approach of looking at how you can serve them mm -hmm. initially and start a relationship like you would with a new friend. Right. And then I think where discipline comes in then because we in these positions and your listeners, we get paid for our advice. So you do have to be disciplined and you can be kind about it, but there's a point where you're going to have to just say, well, we've had these conversations. If, if you don't think we're going to move forward in, in some work together, still love to stay connected, but I'm going to have to move on to put some time into some other um, initiatives going on right now. So maybe we'll chat again in a couple months. If they don't want to lose you in that moment, they're going to go, well, let's talk about this. So it's, it's the, um, there's an old sales tactic, um, which I kind of like, I don't like many of them, but you call your, as you're, if someone's not returning your call, say, Hey, I'm just doing a last call to you. Um, I've got your file here on my desk. I'm just going to file it away into the cabinet because it doesn't seem like we're going to move forward right now, but please, you know, keep me in mind for future. If they really want to continue, they're going to they're gonna respond to you. In our consulting world, if someone is finding your advice, your thinking, your conversations valuable, they're going to easily have that conversation around how can I help you mm -hmm. in an advising role. So you just have to learn to be comfortable with that and still keep them in your network. Um, it, that takes a little practice, I think, at times. But uh, if you don't have that discipline to close it out, when it doesn't seem to be going anywhere, you'll spin your wheels and, and that's a great point because we can be hopeful mm -hmm. when there's really no evidence to show us yes. that, you know, and, and again, I, I love your use of the word discipline and having a structure because we need to have some indicators in our mind of what we use to measure. Is this, a person I should continue investing time in mm -hmm. because there's something for both of us in this relationship. Mm -hmm. But if not, you, like you say, you, you put boundaries, you put some distance so that you're not getting sucked in because you can rationalize. I think at times, Oh, yeah. you know, I'm doing this, but in reality it can be, not a good use of your time mm -hmm. if it's if it really isn't leading to opportunities for some kind of business relationship in the future where they're whether they're going to be a direct client of yours or not if they can influence make introductions there are all kinds of reasons to actively pursue relationships with people mm -hmm. um, but it all to me does need to be um, evaluated with what's the opportunity here for both of us. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Cynthia, I can't believe time has gone <laughs> by. Do you have any um, final tips or insights that you would like to share with my listeners that we haven't covered yet? You know, I think the biggest thing, and it's been very apparent during COVID and some of the other things going on in our society today don't listen to that inner critic in your mind or the, the voice that is telling you don't do something because X, Y, Z. In sales, in business development, the first step is just to, to move forward with a conversation, to get a conversation. 
So don't think about it. Don't worry about, do you need to tweak your website? I don't have capabilities materials. I mean, in the business development world, I've heard every excuse why a salesperson isn't going to just pick up the phone or go stop in and make another call. The reality is our insecurities can get the best of us when we're, we're supposed to be selling or doing our business development work. So just clear that out. Don't make assumptions about anything until you actually have asked someone if they will talk to you or you've tried to have a conversation. If you are telling yourself something's not going to work before you even tried, then you're getting in your own way. So listen to that inner voice. But if it's not a helpful voice, set it aside and find a different thought around it. And then just do something that moves you closer to gaining a new prospect or closing a client. Whatever you do is going to be better than not doing anything. That's my advice. That's great. Excellent advice. It's that getting that momentum built mm -hmm. up by taking action and then learning from it. And yep. speaking of the critic, I'll just add to what you said, because I think it's important. Um, I don't think you use this word directly in our conversation, but it's one of the thoughts coming in my head is this idea that we judge ourselves. Mm -hmm. We're evaluating, did I do this right? Or did I do this well? Or it, It's just all data, all information that can help you decide what to do for the next step, right? Mm -hmm. It's not... There's no need to get into that evaluation of yourself. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Evaluate your actions, yeah. but not yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Get the personality out. Of, you know, it's not a personal thing. It's just um, bias towards action takes that personal side out. Um, so you're absolutely right. Um, don't hold yourself back because you're never going to be perfect. Just go do it. <laughs> That's a great um, statement to end on. Let's talk about how can people connect with you, Cynthia, and learn more about your services? Sure. So my email is Cynthia, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A, at leveragemind.com. And Meredith, happy to give you link and some contact information on your site. Um, and really just reaching out to me on LinkedIn or directly by email is a great opportunity. Um, I, in theory, have a website, but, you know, like I'm too busy to do it and I don't care. <laughs> I'd rather have a conversation with you. Um, but yeah, happy to um, set up time. I have, um, I'm having lots of Zoom calls with people, especially consultants and coaches right now, um, because this is a, this is an area I know I can be helpful. So I'm trying to make those connections. So just reach out to me and we can have a conversation and, if I can't help, I can definitely um, direct people to maybe some helpful resources. That's great. And for those that are listening, uh, Cynthia spelled her first name. Her last name is B-E-I-L-E-R. We'll have all your links on the uh, show notes page, Cynthia, so awesome. people can find you. And thank you again for being my guest today. It was so much fun and you shared so much wisdom. I just love the work you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. And I just um, love the fact that we've met and have a relationship and I can't wait for our future conversations. Thanks for tuning in to the Strong for Performance podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com to learn how our tools can increase your impact with clients and expand your business. And while you're there, grab our free ebook, The Five Secrets to Getting Better at Anything. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell. 
make it a great day.